This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 282 of the Stable Scoop Radio Show, The Road to the Horse 2014. Please support our sponsors as they make this show possible. Our sponsors this week are Equisketch, Fleeceworks, and Road to the Horse. Welcome to the Stable Scoop, with weekly shows delivered right to you. With Helena and Glenn the Geek, live from the stable, it's every week. They'll bring you the news through hail, hot water, while using their tails as their own fly swatters. So sit on down and laugh till your poop, cause it's time again for Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. Stable Scoop. I'm Glenda Geek. And I'm Helena B. And you're listening to the Stable Scoop Radio Show on the Horse Radio Network. Howdy, Helena. Howdy, Glenn. How are you today? Okay, I'm uh, warmer than you, I think. You know, I gotta tell you, this weather around the country is just bizarre. Warmer than me. I don't know. I saw some pictures that um, Dr. Wendy Ying posted from her. (laughs) She's a bit of a reactionary. (laughs) From her post in sunny Florida. She had on Carhartt overalls, I think, and a fire going. Yeah. Yeah. What's the temperature in Florida these days? Yeah, we actually hit uh, our coldest night. We're recording this on Tuesday. Our coldest night was last night, and we hit 28 degrees. (gasps) <gasps> which people Holy around here panic when it goes below freezing. I mean, they just I panic. Uh, I had two blankets on my pony. You know, you all can laugh, but uh, my pony's used to 80 degrees. Two days yeah. ago, we were we were in Orlando. It was 81. And now we're, you know, waking up to 28. So now the nice thing about Florida and the pe- reason people move here is because in two days it'll be 81 again. <laughs> so, yes. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah, 28 degrees. It's kind of a nice, it's a nice excuse to put a fireplace in your little Florida villa. <laughs> exactly. And we get to get our coats out and wear them once. Yes. You know? <laughs> it's like, you know, but, in t- you know, again, in two days it's back to 81. So that's the big difference about the cold in Florida. Yes, uh, sir. But we do have heat. I mean, we actually have a heating unit in the house, so uh, it comes on when it does get cold. Uh, it's not just air conditioning. Well, Florida is part of North America. Yes, you know, if you have the word North in your in your country or your continent, then you have to have heat. You have to have heat. I wouldn't get in a pool right now. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> no, like those crazy people who do the polar plunge. Yeah, I know. That's just stupid. Uh uh-uh. uh. I did the polar toe dip the other day, and it. <laughs> It wasn't happening. I, I do the polar, <laughs> stick your hands in your horse's water bucket to pull the ice chunks yes. out. Yeah. Yes, that's your version. And it's so cool. They burn. And you know what? It's because your wife, Coach Jen, has insisted that if you're going to de-ice your water buckets, you got to take the chunks out. Yes. You got to break the ice and remove the chunks. Yeah. I so. always liked it when it got so cold that you could just turn the water bucket over and it was just one big chunk of ice, you know, water bucket, <laughs> water bucket shaped. <laughs> we hope for It that. made it so much easier that way. But then you'd have to fill the water buckets like 12 times a day, too. Yeah. Yeah. It's just well, uh, winter's just no fun. Let's just say it. You know, as far as the work level is concerned, winter's no fun. It just seems to create 10 times the amount of work. 
it's and it slows it down. That's what happens. Yes. It slows everything down. Yes, it does create more work. It's just it it amplifies the fundamental challenges of horse life. But boy, cocoa and toast when you go home after a uh, day out in the cold like that is just the best. I know. Uh, my mom used to make us cocoa and toast after we were outside sledding all day, and so I have this fondness for cocoa and toast. That was I don't know. Was that a Pennsylvania thing? Did you guys do cocoa and toast? We did cocoa, but not exactly toast, I would say. Oh, yeah. She, when, we, when there were four boys, so when we'd be outside playing in the snow for hours and hours and hours, we'd come in, she'd make us all cocoa, and she'd, you know, the Wonder Bread loaves, you know, like moms used yeah. to get back then. Uh, yeah. It's the only thing you could buy, really. They, know, they didn't have any other bread back then in the <laughs> store. They didn't have all the gourmet stuff we have, and she used right. to buy the white Wonder Bread, and she used to make a whole loaf of bread, and we would, we, you just put butter on it, and you dunk it in your cocoa, and we used to oh. do a whole loaf between the four of us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those I'm hungry. How do you do it? Every freaking show, show, you do it. I get food in somehow. Hey, we you know what? Go ahead. What? Okay. No, I was gonna say all I have is a is a measly bottle of plastic bottle of water. Yeah, that's Spring. what I got right now too. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, I take this uh, I take this shake now. That's a protein shake. Has all kinds of other stuff in it. But ever since I went on my diet, they recommend this. Because we don't get as much pro- uh, protein anymore, and and the other ingredients that are in it, but it kind of it's chocolate, and it kind of just just chocolatey powder that you have to mix mix with milk because that's the only way you can get it down. You, you mix it with water, you can't drink it. And I I said to Jennifer this morning, and then you have to put ice in it. The colder, the better for this stuff. And I said, you know, on a cold day like this, I wish I could make this into cocoa, but I don't think I'd be able to swallow it. It just wouldn't happen. Wouldn't happen. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, what I wanted to say was that we have a fun show planned for you today. We are an official media partner this year for the first time of Road to the Horse. And we have the queen herself on the show. Tootie Bland, founder of the Road to the Horse, is returning. She was on with us years ago. I don't know if you remember, but it was years ago. I the, remember, yeah. Yeah. She's a fun lady, super energetic, a hell of a businesswoman. Yeah, knows her stuff. Very, yeah, she's sharp. A hell of a marketer. And, you know, she has pretty much, with her and her husband, made Road to the Horse what it is today. One of the biggest, uh, you know, horse events in the United States. And we're going to have her on to talk about Road to the Horse 2014 coming up March 13th through the 16th at the Kentucky Horse Park. Where uh, Jennifer and I are going to go up for that. We're going to visit our old home there in Kentucky. Mm. Then we have uh, a new regular feature that we're going to have once a month on the show. We have Ellie O'Brien coming back. She is of Ellie O'Brien Horsemanship, and you might remember that name because she was a guest on our show not too long ago. She's from New Zealand, has a wonderful New Zealand accent, is kind of a natural Mm. horse trainer down there. And she's going to come on and do a training tip of the week or the month with us uh, every single month all the way from New Zealand. We're getting international this year, Helena. We're getting we're getting internet. Yes, right. <laughs> In a redneck kind of way. <laughs> we're getting. There. And then you have a product we're going to talk about uh, when it comes to uh, actually a product we've talked about before several times on the show, but you you had reiterated uh, uh, why this product is good. So we're going to get you, to that. Yeah, later you know on. it's good when it keeps coming around. If I can't keep my mouth shut about it, then you know it's really good. That's right. And then of course we have Ada coming up, the American Equestrian Trade Association, in a couple of weeks. Are you going to be there? I'm going to be there, and oh, I'm cool. excited because the winter version um, re 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 it's no bigger. introduces yeah. the spring and summer yes. apparel and lines of stuff. So I'm going to be sort of pretending that it's spring and summer while we're there. 
Yeah, and every time we go to Ada in Philadelphia in the winter, there's like a foot of snow outside. Shh, shh, <laughs> I know. So, Stop it. Uh, but it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be good to see you again, and we'll record a lot of segments for Tack and Habit uh, coming up at Ada as well. Yeah. Of course, we always try and find the new stuff. We, you know, we had uh, the people on the morning show yesterday from Beta, which is the uh, the version of Ada over in England, which is one of the largest trade shows in the world at Beta. Yes, yes. And I would love to. We ought to go to that one sometime. That would be a lot of fun. Talk about fox hunting stuff, you know? Yeah, <laughs> I know. Oh. That'd be a fun one to go to sometime. I, I haven't found anybody to support that one yet. So as soon as I find a sponsor, <laughs> I'll let you know. I know. <laughs> well, let's take a break for one of our commercials, and then we're coming back with Tootie Bland, founder of Road to the Horse. Fleeceworks manufactures pure Australian merino sheepskin and merino wool saddle pads and accessories. Their pads produce a vital thermal balancing layer to pull excess moisture and heat away from the horse's back, allowing muscles to work at maximum capacity without overheating. Fleeceworks Australian Merino Wool is breathable and hydrophilic, able to hold and store 35% of its own weight in liquid. A longtime staple of the medical field, Australian Merino fibers have no equal when it comes to delivering a temperature-controlled, pressure-absorbing layer. The Fleeceworks philosophy, minimum bulk, maximum performance. And they have a variety of anatomically correct pads incorporating technologies and designs that address the individual needs of every horse and rider. Ask for Fleeceworks saddle pads and accessories by name at your local tack and feed store or visit them online at fleeceworks.com. Well, hi, Tootie, and welcome back to the Stable Scoop Show. Well, thank you very much, Glenn. We're happy to be here. You were on with us what seems, I think it was, three, three four years ago. It was a long time ago when, uh, when Road to the Horse was still building in its popularity, and you were down there in Tennessee. And then, and then last year, uh, you moved to the Kentucky Horse Park for the first time. How did you feel that went? Uh, what, what, was it a success as far as you're concerned? Absolutely. We uh, we actually planned this so that it would be our 10th anniversary going to Lexington. And Lexington is now Road to the Horse's home, and we're very, very pleased to be there. The city and the state, which is uh, the horse capital of the world, certainly welcomed us with open arms, and uh, we couldn't be happier. How was the facility? That facility is so open and airy and the roof is so high. How did you feel that? Help, did that help with the energy hurt, hurt or, you know, how did you feel about that? Oh, I thought it was great. I mean, what the facility gives to us that we basically had outgrown in other facilities um, is increased seating and some very small amenities, which are very, very important. And that's um, some great food. You can actually have pizza and beer there and watch Road to the Horse, which I think couldn't get any better. And the parking is great, and we're just able to have this larger facility that we can do a lot more things in production as well with lighting and a great, great audio system, which is really important. For Tell us about the history or the beginnings of the Road to the Horse for those who have not heard about it or followed along with the show. How did it begin? Well, Road to the Horse uh, began over the dinner table, quite frankly. And uh, my husband and I uh, were discussing um, horsemanship and some things that we had seen and, and so forth. And we really, really felt that it was important 
to have some kind of event that showcased natural horsemanship. Now, you know, creating something from the ground up certainly has its trials and tribulations. And I can't tell you that at that moment we knew what we were getting into because <laughs> it was just a small idea that we thought, well, heck, let's get the best guys in the world and put it out in front of the public, you know, so that they can see everything that's going on and give them an untouched cult and let's see how it goes. Well, history has written itself. I'm 10 years going into the 11th year later, and um, I think that Road to the Horse has brought to the public and done a lot for the horse in the fact of uh, a kinder and gentler way to start our horses. And our main goal always has been education. And even though we wrap it with a great show and a lot of fun and a competition, the bottom line is education. And if I can change the mind of just one person, one person out of 10,000 people sitting there um, to go home and have a better way and a better life with their horse, then I think Road to the Horse has done its job. And it's well on its way to doing its job. It has done its job and will continue to do its job. Tell me about the, um, the, the, the horses that the competitors get to choose to work with. Um, it says on your website that the horse, they choose a horse out of the AQHA Remuda, a group of three-year-old untouched horses. What is Remuda? Well, actually, they're three-year-olds. Um, we, we want to take them when they're three and, and instead of two. So Remuda basically is a herd of horses. The AQHA, the horses are coming from, they are AQHA horses, and they're coming from the legendary Four Sixes Ranch, which will be our third year with them. Um, I've got a little tidbit for today that I'm pretty excited about. We're going to um, post our Remuda up on our website here this month, but Atypically, we've had 10 to 11 to 12 horses that have come to Road to the Horse. This year, we'll have 20, and it will be fantastic. And I cannot thank Dr. Blodgett and the Four Sixes Ranch more. They are spectacular horses, and him giving us 20 horses this year will be pretty fantastic. are, Are the horses broke at all? Have they had a halter on anything? Well, they've started um, them. They have to gather them and gelt them. That's one. And then they put a halter on them for about two weeks. And we go in, and Dr. Blodgett is very, very kind to Road to the Horse because it, this is a huge commitment on a rancher's part to take a set or a herd of horses and set them aside, give them their own pasture. We do that so that we can build some continuity in that group and get those horses out where they're together and they eat together, experience the same things and travel to their pasture, which for the sixes, they're in a little pasture, they said, which is 10,000 acres. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then we gather them up, uh, load them up, and they come straight to Kentucky, uh, to the Kentucky Horse Park. The very first time when you see them run in the arena, which I think is one of the greatest parts of the show, is to see this beautiful Ramuda come barreling down that alleyway and bust in that arena. Is the first time those horses have actually been to town, so to speak. 
So I can't imagine what their perspective is when they come through that gate and there's 10,000 people sitting there all cheering and yelling. But, yeah, oh, basically, God. virtually <laughs> untouched. Sensory yeah, overload. Yeah, wouldn't that be kind of... It, it's such a great moment. I mean, it's such a great moment. It's a great moment for horsemen all over the world. You know, it's uh, just poetry and beauty in motion. So Now, Tuna, you... Oh, one of my favorite parts. You, um, you, you've been able to mix it up uh, over the years. You've had, uh, you've had individuals competing against each other. You've had country competitions. I mean, you really have done a terrific job of trying to make it different for the people who come every year, you know, your regulars. Uh, you know, how do you come up with who, who, the, who the contestants are going to be? How do, you, how do you pick them? Well, maybe that's one of the things about being out on a ranch that's 60 miles from milk. You've got nothing but time on your hands, but think about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I can honestly tell you the person that I confer with constantly is my dog, Choochie, because I know that Chooch never tells. But basically what I do is I look down, I mean, we are always looking two, three years ahead of time. I mean, we have plans already for 2015 and 16. So we're looking across the landscape of the best clinicians in the world um, that we feel that we can put together for the best education that complement each other. And, um, I just try to go out there and do my research. I'm always looking at new people and young people and people who just got in the industry, men, women, it doesn't matter to me, and go out there and find those people that have that great connection with the horse, the people that are endorsing um, this better way, for lack of a better word, natural horsemanship to go forward. Um, there are a lot of wonderfully talented people out there. And um, the wild card that we've established kind of derived from that notion that there are so many wonderful horsemen out there, but not as well-known, maybe, or haven't had the break or the opportunity. Um, my, the Road to the Horse fans are extremely involved, and they I stay in contact. I know that sounds crazy, but... Everybody's got my phone number, and everybody's got my email. So I hear a lot from the fans, and they'll talk about different people that they've seen along the way, and, and I certainly listen. So it's kind of kind of just the madness of Judy Bland, I guess. I really can't <laughs> explain it. <laughs> now, this year you have uh, Dan Steers from Australia, and of course Australia's done very well at your competitions, and mm. and we know all of them uh, here at the Horse Radio Network. They've been regular guests. You have Canada representing Jonathan Field. By the way, before uh, Jonathan was announced, we had uh, we have interviewed him a time or two here. Hel- uh, Helena will attest to this. He's been one of he was one of our favorite interviews. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you don't have to comment on this, but sometimes this is our saying it. Sometimes we get interviews with some of the top name guys and all they want to do is market and they won't talk to you. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Jonathan. Or preach. What, or, yeah, or preach. preach. That's the other That's thing. That's right. Yeah. But Jonathan was just a really super nice guy who was willing to just let it out there without the marketing side. It was just a pleasure to talk to him. And mm. we've had the opportunity now to talk to him since then because of Road to the Horse. And, and uh, what a great pickup. Thank you for picking him, by the way. Oh, I'm... <laughs> Yeah, Jonathan is just the best. You know, like, 
if someone should ask you, do you know a real, genuine, kind, good guy, you know? Yeah, Jonathan Fields. We know him. He is everything, you know, whether he's in the event or he's on the phone with you or you meet him in a gas station. I don't know. Jonathan Field is the same guy every time and just man, one of the world's nice guys. I mean, he's just a super nice guy. Now, I always say this. Don't, don't let the nice guy going into road to the horse fool you either. This guy is focused, talented, and competitive. And, you know, he's coming this year with one road to the horse under his belt, which is really an experience. I mean, just as those horses bust into that arena, when you tell these guys, you know, the first timers, it's a big show. There's a lot of work here, a lot of demands. They're like, yeah, yeah, got it, you know? Well, when they get there yeah. at the end of this show, they're like, holy moly, you know? It is a big experience. So I think Jonathan coming with that year under his belt is really going to be interesting and see how, what the change-ups that he makes this year and stuff. And and I'm I'm excited. I think Canada's got a strong foothold right this year. Australia, you know, they're hard to beat. Those boys are just tough. You know, that Australian tough. But Canada, I think Canada and Jonathan Field, maybe, just maybe his year. I don't know. Well, how about... How about your Swiss competitor? That's a first. Oh, yeah. He's wonderful. Antoine LeCloque, he's going to bring us just a whole different look, you know, from the way he looks to his horsemanship interpretation. And um, he's just this really interesting guy that has, he's more to me kind of on the real pure natural very purest, natural horsemanship type of guy. And to find out, you know, what he's done in Switzerland is really a credit to him. You know, he's taken different books and, and so forth, translated them into their language. Has really been a guy that has been promoting natural horsemanship in a better way with the horse in Switzerland and across Europe. So I think you're going to see something very fresh and uh, a very, very interesting guy, and his horsemanship equals equals just the intrigue of him as well, you know? I uh, I watched a couple of videos that uh, were online uh, with him, and, and and that's what I thought, too. He kind of reminds me of uh, the uh, Buck Brannaman kind of guy. Absolutely, mm. yeah. You know, I don't know if purist is the right word, but, you know, they definitely have a very um, sort of, you know, originally I was from California, so I'm, you know, have this very vaquero background, you know, in California, and it comes from that very vaquero style, you know, of of horsemanship and, and everything, which, you know, kind of is a dying art, I'm hoping you know, there will be people that will carry that on. But you're so you're so right, Glenn. He just kind of fits in that in that mold of things. And uh really a nice guy and really interesting. I, I think he's the dark horse. I think you all will be very surprised. 
Well, and then, of course, you have your wild card competitor, which we've talked about here in the show. I think the audience is familiar with the fact that you've had a wild card competitors that are basically competing all year long and, and working with horses, and then they'll be coming in uh, the first day of Road to the Horse, which, by the way, is March 13th through the 16th again at the Kentucky Horse Park. And they'll be, they'll be deciding, how will you decide of these wild cards then who gets to be actually competing in the competition? Well, they're going to have to compete themselves, and it's not going to be easy. I mean, we're not making this an easy run for these guys. On Thursday, which is the beginning of Road to the Horse, actually is a free shopping day. Come in, see the wild card competition that starts. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold it, Tootie. You better rephrase that. Does that mean everything in the place is free? No, oh, I oh. it's free. It's a free walk through the door. I love how oh, yeah, you're okay. Glenn, just to hear what you want to hear. I was like, free shopping, yes. <laughs> nice try. You got to watch him, Tootie, every minute. There's some yeah, saddles. I'll be, first, I'll be the first one in line. I will let the rest of you in. <laughs> uh, no, free day at Road to the Horse, and I encourage everyone to come and take a look. Um the competition for the wild card guys is they have to go through a raining pattern that we have, and then they'll come back and go through an obstacle course that we have, and then we have a conditioning part of it, too, with the horse coming back. So they've got three different challenges in front of them, and then on Friday, we will have a finals for them. And the guy that wins the wildcard competition, which I think is really exciting, steps off that horse and goes right into that round pen. So he barely has time to catch his breath, and he is right in the competition of Road to the Horse. So it'll be interesting how that affects him. I mean, it's going to be very tough to go through this this competition that we have for the wildcard guys that they've been preparing for all year. and. I promise you guys that uh, it's not easy. Horse is full of surprises, and we certainly have got some in store for the wild card guys. And then step off your horse and and be competing for a world championship. That's pretty heady stuff, really. That's all because Tootie has way too much time on that ranch out in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) I know. know, That's true. Me and my horse across the pasture, come back, got 50 ideas, you know? Tootie, are, are there any tickets left? Yes, but we are getting down to the wire. So we do need, if you're thinking about coming to Road to the Horse, please buy your ticket now. Don't wait too long. Um, there are still some rooms available in town. Um, they're being gobbled up quickly. We've got so much going on with Road to the Horse this year. Um, if you're going to get your ticket and you want to be front row seat, and see it all happen, you better do it now. And and if you're worried, if you've never been to the Kentucky Horse Park before, uh, to that stadium, to the Alltech Arena, don't, and you're worried about getting a bad seat, there is not a bad seat to be had. Mm-mm. I've sat in a lot of those seats during the World Equestrian Games and other competitions we've been to there. They're really, you can see from anywhere, the, the sound system's very loud. You don't have to worry about that. Um, <laughs> you would agree with that? There's just no bad seats in this stadium. It, it was well designed. No. Yeah, that, oh, it was beautifully. You know, I was so privileged that um, when they were starting to break ground, they asked me to come out and, you know, look at their Coliseum, few little suggestions here or there, whatever. So 
So I'm trying to see this thing being built from the minute that they broke ground all the way through to its completion. And I can tell you that they went to, oh, they went to the end of the earth to try to make sure that this Coliseum was as perfect as possible. And I think they got so close. We do bring in a little additional sound system when we go in there because I've got the most red-hot sound guy that ever walked the planet. So he wants it to be perfect. But that building is so comfortable, so much room between your seats, you know, bathrooms so available, just the whole workings of that building. And like you said, that's a beautiful arena, and all the seats are good. So it's a great experience. I yep. couldn't be happier there. So, so don't worry about being in the nosebleed seats. There, there isn't any. Um, no such thing, yeah. No and, you know, they're thing. pretty polite there. I've been to many concerts and had beer spilled on me, so you won't have to worry about that either. <laughs> so that's not going to be a problem. <laughs> One of my favorite things <laughs> ever was when we moved to the Kentucky Horse Park, this guy emailed me, and he said, Really? We get to have pizza and beer? He says, ah, life couldn't get any better. You know, <laughs> and he just, I love that guy. He was so enthusiastic. But also with what comes with that building, as you know that, and we just touched on our vendor show a little bit, but we're able to increase our vendor show threefold. And it's got a wonderful building that's right there connected to the arena um, that will house our vendors in and, and uh it it makes for a wonderful all around all around building, all around show. And we got a show for you this year. Well I'll tell you uh, what as, yeah. as we get a little closer <laughs> like we do when uh when Rolex and the World Equestrian Games came up, I will give you I will give all the listeners that are heading out to Road to the Horse in the first time in Lexington a little advice on where to eat too. So I will tell you the oh, rest okay. I'll give everybody the restaurants that only the locals eat at. So I'll I'll oh. uh, I'll point out the good ones uh, as we get a little bit closer, too. Well, Tootie, That'll thank be you. That'll great. We've stayed way over, I told you, 15 minutes, and here we are a lot It's never than 15 that. minutes. <laughs> but you guys are on Facebook, right, uh, Tootie? You can, find Road to the, yes. you can follow Road to the Horse on Facebook. Yes, ma'am, you certainly can. And our website is www.roadtothehorse.com. It's always a pleasure, always a pleasure to talk with you, and I'm Looking forward to you all being there, and uh, we've got a good show this year. And I will talk all day if you want me to. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to meeting you for the first time, and and we'll get you on the air. We'll be recording some shows there, so we'll get you on the air when we're there. All right. Thank you all so much. Thanks, Tootie. Bye. If you are looking for a cure for the winter blues, then the Southern Equine Expo is the answer. Formerly the Southern Horse Bonanza, the Expo will return to the Tennessee Miller Coliseum in Murfreesboro, Tennessee on February 14th through the 16th. During this event, attendees will enjoy clinics presented by nationally known horsemen, educational seminars, and hands-on demonstrations. And new to this year's Expo are competitions including a blacksmith and farrier competition and a youth ranch horse challenge. 
Many past guests of the Horse Radio Network will be clinicians at this fantastic event. Chris Cox, Tammy Crawford, Dick Peeper, Chase Dodd, Lisa Waisaki, Mark and Miranda Lyon, and so many more covering a diversity of disciplines. Our good friend Wayne Williams of Speaking of Horses will be doing the announcing. Plus, it is one of the most affordable expos in the country at only $9 for adults for advanced tickets. Oh, did I mention the shopping? There is lots of it, and who doesn't need a shopping fix in the middle of February? If you live anywhere near Tennessee, plan a trip to Murfreesboro for the Southern Equine Expo, presented by Tartar Farm and Ranch Equipment. That's February 14th through the 16th. Visit them online for all the details at southernequineexpo.com. Well, it's always fun to talk to Tootie, but next up, we have to go all the way to New Zealand, and we're going to be speaking with Ellie O'Brien with our training tip of the month. She is from Ellie O'Brien Horsemanship. I just I just wanted to have her on just to hear her accent. She's a lovely accent. <laughs> it's funny right how at, you can you can build this entire business all right, right around your, your desires. My needs. It's around needs. my needs, Lena. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Well, hi, Ellie, and welcome back to the show. Good morning. Thank you for having me. We appreciate you getting up so early. It's like 6 a.m. there in New Zealand because of the time difference. Now, you're the next day, so it's 6 a.m. the next day, which is really yeah. weird to even think about. You know? I know. It's tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, it's just weird. How's, what's tomorrow like exactly? What, what can we expect? <laughs> wow, you need to have warm clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Atta girl. Make it work for you. Yeah, Ellie's saying that, but she's down there. It's summer there. It's beautiful, and we're having ice age up here in the United States. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Ellie, you want to move here. Why? Why do you want to move here is our question. Well, um, I think for my career, it's going to um, help me out a lot. And the equine industry is obviously a lot bigger, more people, bigger country. Um, down here, I mean, it's really cool, but I'm limited to what I can achieve as well. And um, also my partner is racing NASCAR, so... Um, it's going to work out really well for both of us. All right, let's talk about that before we go on to the serious stuff. And and Helena, you can look her up. Just look up Ellie O'Brien on Facebook. And go to her pictures section, photos section. Ellie's getting nervous now. Go to her photo <laughs> section, and you're going to see the picture of gorgeous Ellie with this great, big, tall, hunky guy. And that great, big, tall, hunky guy is your boyfriend? Yep, he sure is. Good Lord. How's he fit in a NASCAR? <laughs> He's pretty tall, and that's kind of one of the things that make it a little bit trickier for him, getting in and out of the car, but um, he seems to make it work. <laughs> so Ellie decided one day when she woke up, I'm going to find a boyfriend that is tall, dark, handsome, <laughs> good-looking, a NASCAR driver, going to make me lots of money someday. And, uh, and then she just went out and found him, and there he is. Well, yep. I can't seem to get past the fancy paint pony. <laughs> I'm sorry. What are we talking about here? <laughs> what man? Exactly. What man? There's no man what in these man? pictures. I'm looking at this cute little chestnut and little pinto. <laughs> oh, my God. How cute. This one's my favorite. Okay. What's wrong with me? I have a problem, don't I? I have a problem. Oh, God. She's truly addicted. She doesn't even notice the hunky guy. <laughs> That's right. That's great. 
And if anybody else wants to check it out, whether you're a guy or no matter what you want or what you desire, you'll find it on Ellie's page because Ellie isn't bad either. And then she has this good-looking uh, boyfriend. So you got both and a lot of pretty horses. You have it all on Ellie's page. Pretty well, is as pretty does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it, Ellie. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, let's let's talk about a couple of these horses. You do have some some. I'll tell you there. There's a nice mix. It's a very diverse group of photos on your um, Facebook page. You've got some. You got a, a beautiful gray and Appy that's on there. These chestnuts. Tell us about some of the horses that are in these photos and what kind of work you do with them. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm pretty lucky. I do get to um, work with a diverse range of horses. Um, anything from I think the big grey on there, he was a thoroughbred off the track. Um, so that was rehabilitating, setting him up for a um, ridden career. So we did a lot of work with him, I guess, going over, um, trying to get rid of that drive to just want to run all the time. He was quite an anxious horse. As soon as um, any speed picked up, all of anything would kind of go out of his head and he was just focused on running. So. Um, that one took a, quite a while of just getting him to relax and wanting to go, um, you know, just at the speed that we were wanting. And uh, I finished up with him walking, trotting, cantering out in a big paddock on a loose rein. So that was really nice. Um, and then I have warm bloods, dressage warm bloods that are going to be one day trained to Grand Prix level. So um, that's really interesting as well. And I love being able to show people that how the groundwork then um, goes into the ridden and, you know, right from the very beginning, just simple movements like asking a leg to go out to the side or how your lead rein goes from, you know, it, it basically ends up being your rein aids in the end. So every little piece counts. Um, so, yeah, I get quite a few different horses. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ellie, what are we going to talk about today as far as the training tip? Well, over the past couple of days, I've been thinking um, pretty hard on what I was going to talk about because, I mean, there's such a diverse range of topics. Um, so I thought that I would start from the beginning of what I look at when I'm going to be training a horse, and that's um, observation. So it's quite a simple training tool, really, but something that um, really counts in the scheme of um, horse training. All right, good. Yes. Wow. Um, Jenna, guess, by the way, Helena's had a lot of experience with this part because she's been horse shopping her entire life. So <laughs> it seems like she's always horse shopping. Lots of moving. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead. Sorry. No worries. Um, so, you know, like I always start off by observing the horse out in the paddock or pasture and seeing what it's like in the herd structure. Is it... Uh, you know, high up in the herd or is it at the bottom? And then you can observe what it's like to be caught. Is it happy to be caught? Is it kind of standoffish? Does it want to be near you or away from you? And, of course, how it is being led. Is it on top of you? Is it far away from you? Um, being handled and also being ridden. So looking at all these things that can give you an idea of, um, what the horse is like and what we as trainers need to do to prepare to, um, you know, work through some loopholes and get the horse so it's nice and balanced and relaxed and you've got a good partnership going on. 
Now, I do have a question on that. A lot of times when you go out to look at a horse, they already have it in the barn, sometimes tacked up, you know, most of the times cleaned up. Do you ask them not to? Yeah, um, I think generally I say to people, from a buyer's perspective, like when when I have um, a horse come to me, they're kind of, they just arrive on the transporter and I put them straight out in the paddock so I can just watch what they're like. I watch what they're like coming off the transporter. Um, usually those things are real telltale signs about what the horse is going to be like. Um, but, yeah, I think when you go to try a horse out, I think that's quite a hard one of having the horse already ready to go. So um, in New Zealand here, I think a lot of people kind of get that you want to see the horse being caught, being um, tied up. So everyone's sort of on the same playing field, which is quite good. Now, Helena, when you would go out to look at horses, what were when we go out to look at horses for sale? If the horse was in already, cleaned up, had already had, you know already a lot of times have have tack on or harness on or whatever, that was always a red flag for us because. <laughs> yeah. How about you, Helena? Was that is that a red flag? Um, it's it's a red flag only because I was taught that it should be a red flag. I I think it depends on the context and what you're looking for. Um, because I am so experienced at horse shopping now. <laughs> um, you know, if that's the first time, if you go there and the horse is all tacked up, then that's when I just stand back and let, you know, the owner of the horse or the trainer, whoever, ride it. I'll come back a second time, you know. Um, it, it, You never know what to expect when you get there. But if I got there and the horse was, like, really just unkempt and, and dirty and the paddocks were dangerous, you know, and not, like if there's cow wire hanging out all over the place they're all different kinds of red red flags I guess it just depends on the context in which you're shopping and what you're looking for you know if you're looking for a fancy hunter jumper equitation prospect and then the horse is all ready for you well that kind of fits within your world but if you're looking for you know a confident trail horse then I'm going to want the horse brought in like untacked and unbrushed ready to go for me as if he were going to be a backyard horse does that answer your question? Yes, it did. It's, it's really, there is no answer. There's there's like, this is the complicated thing I think about horse shopping is you have to know what you're looking for. Like, I was mucking the other day and thinking, which was pretty much the only time I think. And <laughs> I was like, my horse is such a, you know, now that he's up in a, like a facility for the winter, he's such an easy keeper because he poops in one corner of his stall and he pees in the center. And I'm like, you know what? The next time I go horse shopping, I'm going to run a search. I'm going to run a filter. And I'm going to look for the keywords easy keeper because that's important to me as a backyard horse owner. You know, keeping costs down, a horse who can be out 24-7, you know, confidence. But easy keeper is actually one of my buying decisions now. It's it it means a lot of things. So I guess it depends on context. What do you think, Ellie? Yeah, with the context, like you say, there's so many different factors as to what you're looking at from a buyer's perspective. And I completely agree for what you're looking for, like um, with the trail horse and with the competition horse. I guess you have to expect different things from different homes. So that makes sense. Now, when you're looking at them, when you talk about observation and you're watching them uh, in their natural habitat with the other horses out in the field doing their thing, how do you adjust your training depending on what you see? 
Um, so say if I was um, looking out in the paddock and I noticed that this particular horse is quite confident, it's happy to push the other horses around and, you know, it, it wants to be the, the herd leader, then I sort of know that with this horse I'm probably going to have to be a bit firmer, I'm going to have to set boundaries and really make sure that I then become the the leader in essence, you know, to create that partnership um, whereas maybe if I see the horses at the back of the herd, it's always being chased away or kicked, then I sort of know that that horse is probably going to be, I wouldn't say easier to work with, but um, maybe a bit easier in the sense that um, they're already lower down in the pecking order. Um, but possibly it's quite a sensitive type of horse, so I may have to make my presence a bit smaller so I can gain that horse's trust before we start working together. Which do you prefer, one or the other, or just what, whatever? I don't really have any preferences, I don't think. I love and working with all types of horses because I learn so much from them and you know they're all different so you think that you know what you're going to be working with and then the next one comes along and it's completely different right yeah well that's true that is true I think you know I think as Helena do you do you you find your I know I have a preference of the kind of horse I like um, but that's the difference. I'm not a trainer. I think when you become just want to be a backyard horse owner, then you're obviously going to go for the one you like. Um, it, it, now, it took me 20 years to figure out what I like. Um, <laughs> well, there's what you that like. That might be a different story, though. <laughs> there's what you like and what's in your best interest. You know, well, you, that's true. Like, that's just like boyfriends, right? It's just like boyfriends, exactly. <laughs> and, and of course, learn, I learned this from Jennifer. Pretty is as pretty does. I mean, I can be stopped dead in my tracks by a beautiful off-track thoroughbred. Uh, you know, I love to ride them. I love the zoom zoom, but that doesn't mean that's a good horse for my personality or for what I want to do with him or her. So I kind of like, I, I now just kind of leave it up to that mystical feeling. You know, you, I, I'm trying to learn to trust my instincts and say, what's practical? This is, this horse is pretty and he's fun or, you know, whatever, whatever things he may be, whatever benefits this horse brings are really, is that, that the best fit for me? So you kind of have to, I don't know, you have to be willing to look at yourself from a different perspective before you realize what you like or what's good for you. Ellie? Uh, yeah, I think that, that that's, um, I guess from a trainer's point of view as well. Um, when, horses come to me as well sometimes you have to say to people you know this horse isn't actually really suitable for what you are wanting um and I think like you were saying pretty is as pretty does um you know the the beautiful horse the show horse isn't always suitable for the person that wants to just go out and trail ride so you have to be realistic about what you want and what you need and what that particular horse um, needs as well in a, in a rider so that you both um, get the best out of uh, your chosen disciplines. Well, Ellie, thank you for joining us again. We really appreciate it. You'll be back with us once a month to chat with us. When are you moving over here? Um, we're going to be moving over at the end of February. And going where? Uh, we're going to be based in Charlotte. Of course. Um, He's a NASCAR driver. you got to be in Charlotte. Does he have yep. a team? 
Um, he's just um, doing contracts and everything at the moment, so that's pretty exciting. So he might have a team? Um, definitely have a team. We're talking with a few different places, so it's just a matter of deciding which one's going to be best for um, you know, his career path. Now, will he drive the trucks and things first and then work his way up the ladder there, or how, how, okay. how, how does that work? Yeah, so he did his first season last season in um, Roseville in California and started in the late model series. So that was his first season. And um, this season, I think he's going to be doing late models again and um, then work his way up the ladder. Well, I think he'll do fine because one of the requirements for NASCAR drivers is they have to have really, really pretty girlfriends. <laughs> so he's already got that. Now all he has to do is learn to drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, Ellie. Thank you so much. Thanks, thank Ellie. And now it's time for Tack and Habit. This Tack and Habits segment is sponsored by Sparkle and Boom. Sparkle and Boom is a new media marketing company. Our mission is to help small businesses add some sparkle to their marketing in order to get some boom in their bottom line. Our creativity, combined with an extensive background in the equestrian industry, makes us perfectly suited to help your business capture the potential of social media and the ever-changing World Wide Web. Visit us online at www.sparkleandboom.com. All right, what do you got for us this week, Alina? All right, well... For those of you who've been listening to the Stable Scoop show for a while, will not be surprised to hear this name. It is, well, it's the Shaken Fork, but my product pick is the Flexen Fork. Now, I've used both. I've used the Shaken for the motorized Shaken Fork, which we've talked about. Just is it yesterday? Yep. Yeah. Um, and uh, but the fork that I have is it's it's the manual sort of old school flex and fork, but it's not really old school. It's got a slight er, you know ergonomic design, but not the typical ones that you find out there. And it's got obviously the head, the pitchfork head that could withstand I don't know the second coming, the apocalypse, <laughs> I don't know the explosion of the world. This is the best pitchfork ever made by Equity Manufacturing. Gotta tell you, I mean, it's just this, and I'll tell you why. Right. Here's what happened. What happened now that you went, oh, God, I can't live without this? And I, I'm honestly, this is like not an advertisement for the Flex and Fork, but here's what happened. I keep a number of pitchforks in my own barn. I have a small two-slash-three stall barn. For the winter, I brought my horse up to an equestrian center with an indoor arena to spend a you know, couple of months so he can stay in light work. And I do sort of a semi-rough board, so I do my own stall. I go up every day and I muck my own stall. Well, I didn't want to let – I didn't want to bring my flex and fork someplace where it might get – you know, might walk away. So I brought my traditional pitchfork, plain wooden handle with, you know, screw-on head, right? Mm-hmm. I spent a week mucking his stall with that pitchfork. And my horse is tidy in his stall. 
He poops in one corner and he pees right in the center. Oh, jeez. Like, you got one super of those tidy. super horses that come one in a hundred. Well, I came up with some very interesting swear words <laughs> using this old school pitchfork. <laughs> it was awful. I just, it took me twice as long. I couldn't get all the poops. Like, it, and I gave it a full week. It's not like, oh, I'm used to mucking with this other, you know, with my flexing fork. And therefore, I didn't like the old slash new pitchfork because I just wasn't used to it. Oh, no, no. No, no, no. I gave it a full week and hated every second of it. So the last two days, I brought my flexing fork up to the barn. And I was done with my saw in like 10 minutes. Boom, boom, boom. Got it out. Got every last poop. And I am like totally anal retentive about getting every wet spot and every poop. And I have no idea what magic is in the flex and fork. But it definitely made a difference in the efficiency of my mucking. And, and if I'm I the remember slowest right, mucker in the world. If I remember right, when, when you first got the flex and fork, you didn't like it for the... It took you a couple days to get used to it. Um, but then... No, it wasn't the flex and fork. It was the, the shake and oh, fork. Oh, the shake and fork. That's right. That's the motorized one, which does take you a couple of days to get used to. But I'll tell you what, I don't clean the stall without it anymore. <laughs> With the... Yeah, the motorized With the shake one. shake fork, yeah. I love that. It took me a little while to get used to. Um, but that's because I'm like, I do everything super, super fast. Like, I, I, I work, work faster than the motor. Don't ask me how that's possible, but I do. <laughs> So I just, I didn't have the patience to let the motor do its job. So then they were like, well, here, try the flex and fork. And I was like, oh my God, I love this fork so much. I want to marry it. <laughs> well, we clean outside, you know, most of what we do is in the paddocks and we clean the paddocks every day. And, and in Florida, we get these little viney rooty things. Yeah. And, and oh my God, you get your pitchfork stuck, to, stuck in that and you can't move it. Now, normally with one of the cheapies like you were using uh, last week, I wouldn't try to get it out of those things you you back it out and you start over right yep yes well with the with with the flex and fork i just yank <laughs> just because i know it's not going to break right so i just yank and it because it has a suspension system built into the head of the fork you don't get that flick back thing that you get with the other ones so that's why i you know i just love it for i will not clean the outside paddocks without it matter of fact i love it so much we bought our my uh, landlord who lives at the other end of this property he he kept it sneaking over and using our forks and uh, <laughs> so i bought him one and uh, now he has his own so he was so excited to get one for those for christmas yeah i um <clears throat> i at first i thought oh you know it's it, I the I think the retail price is like fifty four fifty five dollars. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's kind of a lot of money for a pitchfork. I don't, I really don't know if I had to go out and like personally buy one or five of them. Would I do that right now? I'm absolutely one hundred percent. Oh would. yeah, it's just because you're going to buy three or four of of the other ones in the same amount of time. You're going to use this one before it wears out. You know, you're going to use it for years. I mean, we've had ours for a very long time. And it's, but it's not just the, the sturdiness of it. It's not the wearing out. Like, I, I can't break these tines. I mean, Brody stepped on it. I've driven it over over it with my truck. Um, I've, like, beat the dew out of it trying to pick up. Not on purpose either. <laughs> literally beat the dew out of it trying to pick up poopsicles from the paddock, you know? Because, like, even though my the manure I is frozen. I see you out there I jamming see, it into the ground. Yeah. I'm like, I got to get this last pile. Um, so not only the, is it the durability, but... I, and I really wish I could put my finger on it, but I can tell you for sure that the suspension system in the pitchfork head does make a difference in yeah. the efficiency with which you mock. I I have to observe it a little bit more carefully as I use it um, now that I'm actually paying close attention. But um, 
it, it, it definitely makes you a more efficient mucker. Well, there you go. And you can find all of that at equitymfg.com. It's where you can find them. They are a little more expensive, but worth every single penny. I always say there's a general rule of thumb I use. If you clean more than three stalls a day, splurge and get the shake and fork. If you clean, you know, 10 plus stalls a day, get the shake and fork. You know, yeah. just get it because you're going to save time and bedding and it's just going to save you. But otherwise, if you clean paddocks or one or two stalls a day, get the flex and fork. And he has different size heads. You can get different size tines depending on your bedding. It's just really neat that way. Hmm. Uh, we tested another one uh, that came out here recently that has replaceable tines. And let's just, I won't say the name of it, but let's just say it didn't do very well at all in the testing. At all. Mm-hmm. So uh, just take that as a warning. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it. We're out of time for today. Uh, it's so good to talk to you again. I think the last time we talked actually was the was the All Hosts episode, which we got a lot of good comments on this year, by the way. Oh, good. It was okay. a fun show. Uh, yeah, it we was got a, a lot fun of, show. Oh, crap. Let me cut that because this is show's coming out next week. Okay. So let me just cut that and re-say it. Okay. So it was good to talk to you again. And thank you again, Helena, for being the quiz champion. I would have gotten killed without you last (laughs) week. I don't, honestly, it's just beginner's luck. It's dumb luck. I have no (laughs) idea what I'm talking about. You did. You did great. We won it again with the, and two years in a row now, you pulled it out with the last question. (laughs) Well, Jen did throw me a, she threw me a freebie. She got a Fox Hunting question in there. Yeah, but she gave them some freebies, too. She did. I thought she was being awful nice to the dressage people. I know. Well, they are awful nice. <laughs> they are. Philip is hysterical. Philip. Oh, my God. He had the lines of the week last week. I mean, He, he did. Was, he he was, did. Philip is fun on that show, and, and the dressage show is fun. Which is a lot of people are getting emails now. A lot of people listen to the dressage show that don't do dressage or don't care about dressage just to listen, re- listen to recent Philip. Well, see, that's the point. Maybe yep. then they, they can get them interested, uh, that Reese and Philip could get them interested in dressage. That's what we try to do at Chasing a Fox. That's right. I, I here, we just, we're just here. We're, we're, we're not here. sure we why you're re- listening. <laughs> we just want to spread the love. That's right. That's it well, for this week, Alina. <laughs> and you know, that's plenty. That's, that's plenty. There will be more next week. Until then, happy scooping. <laughs>